Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week's podcast guest is Joe Isma, an artist on the Archies and Jughead the Hunger for Archie, and the upcoming Charlie's Angels for Dynamite and Quantum and Woody for Valiant. We talk about those projects, plus our mutual love for both the X-Men and the Final Fantasy video game series. And if you like those two things, we are totally about to get chocolate in your peanut butter. We're just days away from the premiere of Avengers Infinity War. Are you excited? So are we. Channel that excitement by checking out this month's features on the non-Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're taking a look at films like Punisher Warzone, Ghost Rider, Howard the Duck, and two of the Fantastic Four movies. It's the perfect way to make Infinity War seem like even more of a technical marvel. Free Comic Book Day is right around the corner on May 5th. If you're in South Jersey, consider spending FCBD at Level Up Entertainment in Maze Landing. I'll be hosting a panel with creators Zach Dolan, Mark Poulton, and Roya Okupe, as well as a charity auction to benefit the Hero Initiative, a nonprofit that helps veteran comics creators with health and financial issues. Not a bad way to spend a Saturday. So that's a lot of stuff, and there's some more stuff at the end of this show. But for now, here's me and Joe. My guest this week right, uh, draws Jughead the Hunger for Archie, as well as the Archies, and we'll be uh, coming up, be drawing Charlie's Angels for Dynamite and uh, Quantum and Woody for Valiant. It's Joe Isma. Joe, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? All right. Uh, so I'm going to start this uh, with a spoiler warning. Uh, if you're reading Jughead the Hunger uh, and have not read issue five, put your earmuffs on, just hit pause and get to flipping. It's uh, <laughs> Wednesday when we're recording this, so the book's just come out, but uh, some time will have passed before this hits iTunes, so... Uh, let's talk about that splash page you got to draw for this issue of yeah. Jughead's beloved dog, Hot Dog, uh, dismembered and splayed all over Jughead's motel room. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so first of all, uh, I guess, how did you react when you got the script from Frank Thierry and uh, saw, saw what was uh, set out before you? Well, my immediate reaction was we are going to get letters over this scene. Um, <laughs> I, mean, was, I mean, the book is featured a lot of horrific violence before but mm-hmm. this is really kind of a first you know you know kind of perpetuated against like a beloved pet basically um yeah i was i was a little nervous about it but at the same time i kind of had this sort of well i've never drawn that before this might be kind of interesting so um yeah it, it was a weird kind of contrast there but i mean you know i, I knew the scene was going to be brutal and really kind of crucial to Jughead to kind of to kind of give him like just what would be the hardest thing for him to go through at that point you know yeah uh so how have the letters been how's your social media experience been today <laughs> I've tried to stay off uh mostly but I, I did see a couple of you know vague tweets about like how the book is disgusting and uh that you know that that was appalling and you know that kind of stuff so i'm sure i'm sure as more people get to posting about it, get to reading get through their day you know the rest of the week i'm sure we'll get more <laughs> um now you split art duties on this book with with pat and tim kennedy how yep. does the breakdown normally work for you guys uh you know do you just split it down the middle are there like certain scenes you kind of divvy up yeah i mean like they draw the front half of the book and i draw the back half basically um there was one attempt uh, at one point for me to kind of draw like a framing sequence mm-hmm. around the book and then they would draw the middle, but time just kind of caught up to us and we didn't have time to do it that way. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of more of a, you know, a down to the wire issue. Sometimes, you know, a production schedule of the book, it's kind of hectic. So 
I jumped in a couple months ago and, uh, you know, drawing half the book. And, you know, if there's something like, you know, Pat, uh, the brothers and I will, 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 will email back and forth about like continuity stuff. Like if, you know, when Elena Cooper started, I think I was the first one to draw her uh, before they got to her page. So, you know, I gave them, you know, my design for her and, you know, then it kind of works, you know, both ways. If there's a character that's introduced that they get to draw first, you know, they'll send me some reference. Okay. Um, and the other book that you're currently drawing for for Archie, uh, the Archies, uh, yes. is, is wrapping up. Uh, you know, you've gotten to draw a lot of uh, awesome musicians over the course of seven issues, uh, Blondie, Churches. Um, Tegan and Sarah was this yeah. when this was originally uh, got that well it started as a one shot obviously but when it was uh, you know pitched to go to series you know were you expecting a defined run or, or you know was the tour always supposed to end with issue seven I guess well no I mean uh, the fact that we got to do anything beyond the, the one shot was amazing uh, just especially in today's market but I mean all, in all honesty yeah I mean the sales just weren't there uh you know, as the series went on. And I think, you know, it, it's kind of hard because each issue should have been treated, I think, by, you know, uh, people as sort of like it's a, it's, a, its own story. I mean, it's an ongoing book, but each issue was, was kind of self-contained, you know, dealing with that particular band. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we had, you know, our, our Monkeys issue was really popular and uh, the Blondie issue, I know it was pre- is pretty sought after. So, you know, it's... Um, I think in retrospect, I think maybe what, you know, we might have should have done is maybe just kind of done more one shot style things like, you know, make it more of an event. Um, Because, I mean, there were actually quite a few more bands that we were courting uh, to put in the book. And, Mm. you know, I'm hoping, you know, maybe, you know, we can resurrect the book at some point down the road with these other bands, you know, doing like kind of like the one shot uh, kind of, you know, deal. That'd be awesome. Is there is there a band or artist that you got to draw in the course of the series that like is your favorite? You know, is was a favorite for you personally or? Yeah, I mean, I, I was. I think Churches would probably be the one that I was you know the most excited about. That that I mean, I'm partial because that was like our first guest star band, and then you know the other. I'm just a huge fan of their music. I'm really looking forward to the new album. I've got all the uh, the singles that they've kind of already pre released or whatever you know on my phone. Um, you know, I, I was just a big fan. You know, I, I like the monkeys, but I think that was I kind of missed the monkeys. That wasn't my, you know, from my time. Sure. And <laughs> I tried to like, you know, downgrade it. But I like the monkeys, but it just was not, you know, something that was, you know, from when I was a kid. You know, Blondie was another one I was really excited about because, you know, I, I was an eighties kid and I remember the Rapture video and Hard Glass and all that. So I was super excited to draw Blondie as well. Um but with that wrapping up, uh, you're moving. You're uh, moving on with uh, Dynamite's got this new Charlie's Angels series coming out. Uh, you're drawing. John Layman is writing. Uh, talk about how this opportunity came up. Yeah, it, it's weird. Comics is a really weird industry sometimes, and in how these projects kind of get started. Like I, uh, I met uh, editor Matt Idelson at C2E2 last year, not this past C2E2, 2018, 20, uh, 2017. And we had dinner and drinks and we're just hanging out. And, you know, I did the follow-up email a couple weeks after and said, hey, it was great to meet you. We ever needed an artist. And I never heard anything. I thought, okay, well, whatever. That uh, I did my, my due diligence. I followed up. And then Matt actually emailed me just a couple of months ago and, you know, 
offered me the gig. Um, and it was just one of those things. It's like something that happened, a meeting that happened like a year ago finally paid off, basically. Um, so, you know, he told me John Lane was writing it, which was awesome because I have been after John for years. Um, you know, Chew came out, I think, about a year before Morning Glories. Yeah. And, you know, so John and, and Rob Guillory, you know, we, we were kind of sort of contemporaries in a way because we all kind of, our books both sort of took off around, give or take, around the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I just know they were at the, the the Eisner Awards that I was at. I mean, they were there and I got to hang out with them. And I was like, I was fanboying out then and then we got to be good friends. So, but John and I, we just could never, you know, line up our schedules. So this was just, I was like, okay, this is a no brainer for me. And, you know, I, I, I like Charlie's Angels. I, I mean, I've, I've always, people always ask me like a commission or at conventions, you know, if they, if they get a commission from me and they're like, well, what do you want to draw? And I'm like, I like to draw girls. So, <laughs> <laughs> Um, this was like, all right, now this, this is in my wheelhouse, basically. <laughs> um, and this is, this is strictly the, the seventies TV show, right? Not the, uh, the, was that 2000, I guess, early two thousands, uh, films. Right, right. Yeah. This is very firmly planted in the seventies. We don't necessarily, I don't think we have the likeness rights, so mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. close, but they're not, you know, exactly for Fawcett and Jack and the Smith, whatever, mm-hmm. but they are those characters, uh, just not the actor likenesses, but yeah, it's very much in the seventies. Layman has, he's written this script with like, you know, I mean, it's so full of seventies stuff. I was born in 78. So like I, you know, I didn't really get a lot of the seventies stuff. I was like, I was more of an eighties kid. Sure. But like, you know, my brothers were my older brothers were, you know, seventies kids and so it's fun to kind of, you know, recall some of that stuff from, you know, that time period. And in layman, like one of his early edicts to me was like, you know, I want you to feather the F out of this hair. <laughs> so I was like, All right, I can do that. Uh, you know that that's a good point. This you know, if this is seventy centric, obviously it's a lot of feathered hair, bell bottom jeans. You know, what kind of, I, I guess, you know, apart from the TV show, were you working with a lot of other reference materials, sort of fashion magazines from the time or? or oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, John sent over him. Mean, John's really good with his scripts. He'll, if there's something specific in there he wants, he'll put a, a link into like to some reference or whatever. And I always appreciate that as an artist from any writer. If you have something stylistically or, or whatever specific and they put it in their script i mean it's like a huge help but he sent me this link to, <laughs> to like a sears catalog from the 70s <laughs> it's like like some of the fashion like i i still i have it up on my my firefox tabs or whatever it's because i keep it open all the time just to refer back to and like just the outfits like just some of the outfits that i put some of the guys in i mean they're ridiculous i mean i can't believe i cannot believe some of the clothing from that time period but yeah i mean you know and Google, you know, just looking up 70s hairstyles, uh, the men's hairstyles are pretty unfortunate <laughs> for, for, the, for the most part. But, um, yeah, you know, and just, you know, we would, you know, I think John bought the entire first season uh, on Amazon or whatever. And, you know, he would send me, he would tell me, like, where to look, you know, for certain kind of shots. Like, you know, uh, we, we definitely referenced the opening credits and everything um, those kinds of shots. So yeah, yeah, there, there's lots of callbacks, lots of reference. Um, fashion aside, what kind of tone are you guys going for with this book? It's, it's definitely kind of lighthearted. I mean, it's not uh, a jokey book, I would say it's not, you know, don't, don't think that we're kind of, I hate to say, you know, I love humor. Humor is probably my favorite subject to draw. I mean, 
I love like I, I drew Morning Glories. That was a big part of my life. It was a ten year thing. Really, no humor in that book. And Nick Spencer writes great humor, which is hilarious to me because I never got to draw it. You know, <laughs> he just is not comfortable putting that in Morning Glories. It didn't fit the tone. So I was always wanting to do that kind of stuff. So I mean, that's part of how I ended up at Archie and you know doing a lot of the other stuff that I've done. But uh, John and I both kind of were on the same wavelength in terms of the tone of this book. It's it's I mean it's very much uh, you know at home in kind of that you know the good guys uh, kind of you know that that um, uh, Russell Crowe movie and Ryan Gosling movie that came out. It's very much kind of in that sort of vibe, I guess. Um, and I mean, there's there's some humor. I mean, there's definitely humor in it, but it's not like a slapstick, overly jokey book. Sure. Yeah. But there will be plenty of leisure shoot uh, guys in leisure suits. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, there will be. There's there's ridiculousness, there's absurdity. Uh, I mean, there's lots of action and you know um, drama as well. So, um, you mentioned working with humor, preferring to work in humor. Uh, you're jumping yeah. on to uh, Quantum and Woody starting in July. Um, yes. Is that for is that for one arc or or? Yeah, is... yeah. Uh, it's you know they it's, it's an arc. I would love to do more. Um, I'm always up to do more at Valiant. Um, I love working for those guys. Um, so yeah, Quantum and Woody is, that's another one that's sort of, it was like a bucket list book. Oh. So yeah, yeah. Just cause I mean, you know, like you said, like, like humor and yeah. you know, I, I picked the book up back in the day and was just like, I can't believe somebody actually publishes this book. And I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I couldn't believe like somebody actually did this, you know, like they would, you know, put, uh, a book out with that kind of tone, you know, using superheroes or whatever. And, you know, I know there was Deadpool and, you know, kind of slapsticky kind of stuff like that. But, you know, I don't know. Quantum and Woody just always, I don't know, like they always had like this really cool vibe that I was like, I really want to, I'd love to do something like that. And to actually get to do that book is, it's mind blowing. There, there, There's definitely a lot. Of, there, I mean, I, I, I see the Deadpool comparisons. I've been reading like the you know the the current run uh, with yeah. uh, you know D uh, Daniel and Kano. I get a lot of Venture Brothers vibes from uh, yeah. from what they're yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can totally see that. Yeah, and I, I think you you know Elliot Rahal is, is uh, taking over from Daniel. Yeah, and I'm I, I I love Elliot, and I'm I'm I love the script we got. I'm I'm sad that I don't get to work with Daniel because I'm, I'm a big fan of Daniel's too. But Elliot's uh, script is. It is so much fun. It is like it's it is hilarious, but there's he's got so many things going on in this uh, script, and like there's a callback to one of my all-time favorite, you know, uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor movies in like the first few pages, and I don't want to spoil it because I mean, like it would totally give away the scene, but okay. um, you know, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, they did like like three or four movies together. So it wouldn't be hard to guess which one. Right. You but, can narrow it down. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean like that was like the stuff I grew up with. Cause like, you know, when I was a kid, I, uh, my, like I grew up in a small town in the eighties and we were one of the first families to get cable. And so like my sister and I watched a ton of HBO. So like I would see all of their movies on all the time. So it's like, I get this script that it's calling back to this particular scene from one of their movies. And I'm like, Oh my God, yes, this is a dream come true. Um, obviously you've been, you know, you've been in the, the valiant, uh, you know, family for a while. You were drawing yeah. uh, faith last year. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, they're in the process of this whole sort of big, uh, you know, management transition since they've, they've been bought out. Um, yeah. 
you know, have you been kind of, you know, fo following that or, or uh, you know, any kind of insights from, from kind of your position as a, as a freelancer? Yeah, I, ha I have followed it. I mean, I think pretty much anybody working in freelance comics probably has been following it. And, um, you know, I, I, was, I was really shocked uh, when Dinesh uh, announced that he was, you know, resigning or whatever. Like, and then, you know, like to just to keep continuously having this changeover, it was it kind of, you know, made me a little nervous. I was thinking, you know, like a lot of the people that, you know, when I was working there, they were leaving. I'm like, well, I guess there goes my chances of ever working there again. You know, you see, you know, a lot of times freelancers, you know, will kind of get kind of attach themselves to a certain editor or whatever. And they're like, all right, this person like can pretty much get me work at this company. And then when that person leaves, you're like, well, I'm not getting any work at that company, I guess. Um, but I was really, you know, pleasantly surprised when, you know, um, uh, I got an email from from Robert Myers, I guess, who's, who just recently was announced as, uh, I guess he's taken over like editorial director. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, the, the, we had the conversation about Quantum and Woody. Because, uh, yeah, I honestly thought that, you know, I, I didn't think it would I would do any further work. And I'm so glad that, you know, I get to. And like everybody else that, you know, I'm, my editor on Quantum and Woody, Carl Ballers, is, is great. Um, you know, and Joe Pillage, I haven't really had a chance to, to talk with him. But, I mean, like Joe is like, a, you know, he's, he's freaking amazing. And like he does great work. So I'm, you know, I, I was really kind of nervous about the – all the the exoduses or whatever uh, from the company but you know i think they're in good hands i mean like the people that they've they've got moving into positions now and everything i think they're really uh really good people and i think the the future looks good for them yeah i i, I agree I actually you know i was really excited by the joe illage announcement just based yeah. on his body of work yeah you know from milestone to lion forge so i know i know the guy's like he's like a legend <laughs> yeah um switching gears uh, as a fellow parent and as an artist, how, how do you yes. structure your, your, your work day, you know, with, with <laughs> kids in the mix, you know, is your optimal work time while they're in school? Is it, after, you know, it, do you find yourself sort of working into night after they go to sleep or is it a mix? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, uh, it is, it is a challenge. Uh, what I'm, I've actually, you know, kind of gotten to a really good rhythm with this because my kids are older now. My kids are five and nine. Mm -hmm. And when they were, a lot smaller it was a lot tougher um not, but what i what i have you know you know in terms of like an advantage is i have family that live really close so you know if i if i need someone to watch the kids for a little while you know i can just call my mom and you know it's it's not a huge deal and we've worked out a you know like a little you know a child care schedule so that i could get work done during the day but yeah they're both in school so yeah, while they're in school, that is like my, my optimal working time, and um, you know, and then they have other things that go on. And I have to you know juggle that, but you know, getting you know, I get up early to get them ready for school, get their lunches made and breakfast made, whatever. So like, I'm already up and energized, so I can knock out a lot of stuff in the morning and the early afternoon, so that when they're out of school and then I have to you know drive them around to soccer practice or piano lesson or whatever, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I've definitely, you know, having kids like I do sometimes, you know, work into the night. I don't work up, I don't work too late just because getting up so early, I can't, you know, like I got to get some sleep. So, um, but yeah, I mean, basically school is my savior. <laughs> During the summer, it gets to be a little bit more of a juggling act just because they're here all the time. And it's, um, you know, I can get, I have, I can have, you know, family members come by and, 
and watch them while I work out of the home office or they can go take them swimming or something, you know, but, but yeah, it, it is probably the biggest challenge is, you know, juggling or just finding the time to get stuff done. Absolutely. Um, what are you reading when you, when you have time to read? I just got, I haven't, I haven't read it yet because I have been you know, like in, with, dealt with a couple of insane deadlines, but I've got the new Isola from Brendan Fletcher and uh, Carl Kershaw. Cool. Uh, I haven't read it, but I have flipped through it because I love Carl's art and Carl is probably one of my biggest, you know, contemporary influences. And I just love it is love. It, it is so gorgeous. It, Oh my God. Like I can, I'm looking at it right now cause I have it on my desk and I love flipping through it. Um, but I find myself like, cause I, I, my stack just gets huge on my nightstand. So I find myself ending up buying like a lot of digital stuff on my iPad and I'll take, I'll partake of those Amazon, you know, Marvel 99 cents trade sales or whatever. So yeah, I got that, a ton that, of- That's a weird thing, right? Like trades are like dirt cheap online anymore. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand how, I mean, honestly, like I feel bad in a way cause like I don't understand how anybody is making money, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, but like I'm going back and like I'm, I, because I'm a big X Men fan, yeah. And we're, sure, we're we're going to discuss more later, yeah. But um, <laughs> I I never finished Claremont's New Mutants run, so I like I went back and bought all the New Mutants digital trades and have been rereading all of that. I never read uh, that spinoff book Fallen Angels, so I bought that. I mean, I, I kind of you're in for a treat with Fallen Angels. Yeah, yeah, I'm like halfway through it, and it's it was not what I was expecting, and I'm like, wow, this is really this is really good, and yeah, I find myself you know kind of you know going back and trying to get stuff that I missed. I've got, I you know, and this is a terrible. Seems to sound like a terrible comic fan. I've got Miller's uh, Daredevil run because I I missed that. <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to think what I also got. I've got like a bunch of old like Defenders stuff. Um, how I'm rereading the Age of Apocalypse because. That was probably one of my all-time favorite comics, uh, you know, uh, storylines. Um, I did buy every issue of that when it came out, but mm-hmm. I haven't reread it since the '90s. And going back through it, and you know, I just—I mean, that's Joe Mad. You know, is one of my favorite artists, and his stuff like that's to me is like peak Joe Mad, is Age of Apocalypse. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm loving going back and revisiting that, and uh, you know, I guess more modern stuff like Vision. Uh, I, I, it's not modern, I guess, because I mean it's uh, it's it's collecting a bunch of stuff that came out, you know, a while ago. But um, twenty fifteen, that's still yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, I'm catching up to twenty eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I'm surprised how much I really like that one too. I mean, I like I, I like Tom's work, you know, yeah. I, what I've checked out of it. But Vision was, I'm like, this is really, really good. So yeah, I, I, I try to keep it, you know. Because I end up doing my reading like before bed, and mm-hmm. that's usually after I've had a long day of like drawing and then managing the kids. So I've got I've got all my my classic Marvel stuff and a lot of the manga stuff that I I've got piled up on my my nightstand. But um, yeah, I still try to get in as much reading as I can. Yeah, I still actually my Wednesday stack is is sort of waiting for me. It's my uh, treat for finishing work for the night, so I still have nice. Ac- Action One Thousand and uh, Mister oh, Miracle to look yeah. forward to. Yeah, a lot of my shops are doing the midnight thing, and I wanted to go, but I was just too exhausted. <laughs> yeah, but um, let's let's have a little fun here. Uh, 
you know, we just we just <laughs> talked about uh, we just talked about X Men. Uh, you and I share yeah. similar passions for you know that era of X Men and also the Final Fantasy video game series. Uh, yes, two huge franchises with a lot of great characters uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of kind of you know crossover between them. Uh, yeah. as far as kind of personalities and powers and whatnot. So yeah. I want to play a little game where we take like 15 X-Men and kind of look for their p- counterparts in the Final Fantasy games. Uh, I sent you a list earlier today <laughs> to kind of start brainstorming, but you know, yeah. also opened the floor up to substitutions. So yeah. you know, yeah. we, we can go wild here, but uh, let's start with, let's start with Cyclops. <laughs> All right. Um, man, you know, like I, I looked over those, I didn't have like a lot of time to kind of like really go through all the characters and like try to think about who they would, who their parallel would be. But sure. man, like, you know, Cyclops, you know, in terms, I, I guess it kind of depends on like the characterization, like who's writing him. Yeah. But, you know, Cyclops, you know, he, he tends to be, when he's like brooding and stuff, I, I think, you know, if we're going to find a, a Final Fantasy parallel, I would go with Squall. Just because, I mean, Squall had that kind of, you know, broodingness, and uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously, there's, there's no uh, beyond that. I think just kind of like emotionally, I think Squall and, and Cyclops, maybe that's my pick. Okay, uh, I went, I went with Cecil from uh, Four. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, kind of the 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 dutiful knight who occasionally, uh, you know, qu- questions his orders. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. Who do you like for who do you like for Gene? Gene. Oh man. Um you know, it's I I kinda tend to think maybe Tara, but just because of like the whole transformation that she goes through. Yeah. I'm, kinda, I'm I'm on the same page. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, it's a lot like Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, good. We're agreed on that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you know what though? I, I think she's a mix I think she's a mix of like Phoenix and and uh and Kitty. Yeah, Tara. yeah. Cuz she's kind of okay. like, you know, that that sort of POV character when you start playing the game, but yeah, yeah. also with, you know, the wild uncontrollable powers. Mhm. Yeah, I think that 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 rings true. Yeah. There's a lot of composites here. Um, let me see. And some of these I just kind of went for All right. So, Storm, I just went with Lightning from 13 solely yeah. on the name. <laughs> <laughs> see that you know i was thinking you know in terms of, like lightning i almost kind of thought of like rachel gray just because i mean it's just been like the hair but i know that i know rachel's is red and lightning's is pink but almost sort of like an attitude type of thing um because rachel is one of my like it's weird like she's one of my all-time favorite characters because actually my all-time favorite x book is excalibur which you know totally plays into like the fact that i like humor in comics sure um, so I have strong feelings about all of those characters. <laughs> what is but, what is your iconic Excalibur era? Are we talking Claremont? Uh, are we talking uh, Warren Ellis? The beginning, Claremont and Davis. Okay. That is definitive. I mean, I love Warren Ellis. I mean, it's almost like a different vibe to me. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the classic Claremont and Davis is what hooked me. And even Davis, when he came back and wrote it himself, I, I enjoyed that. But not to the extent that I like the early Claremont and Davis stuff. Um but yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of you know where I'm at. But I could t- I could kind of I could see Storm as Lightning even beyond just the name. There's kind of that 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 sort of confidence that you know and sort of leadership uh, that Lightning has. I think kind of translates to Storm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you stretched the logic for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I do. No. <laughs> uh, 
All right. I had a tough time with this one, actually, and I'm not entirely in love with my pick, but for Wolverine, I went with mm-hmm. Gao from six only, yeah. I think yeah. mostly just because he's, you know, got that same, you know, kind of bestial aspect to him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess so. I mean, I'm thinking when I mean, you said that, like my mind immediately went to nineties, uh, Wolverine when he lost his nose and wore a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That, that version of Wolverine, I could totally see. Yeah. It's weird. You know, I was, uh, I was thinking about Wolverine too. And I was like, uh, I almost thought, um, like in a weird way, like he could be like Gladio from Final Fantasy 50. I don't know why I thought Gladio, but like, I guess just like the kind of, cause Gladio is like this, you know, strong, silent, tall type and Wolverine to me is always just this kind of short and, you know, cigar smoking, angry dude. But for some reason, like I, I, maybe old man Logan and Gladio, I don't know, but like, that that was that because like I couldn't really find like a parallel that I agreed with, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like that was the closest that I got. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean there, there there are a few that are are you know pretty one to one. Like for example, with Gambit, yeah. I went with Locke. Oh yeah, yeah, I was, I was totally like yeah, Gambit is in Locke. I mean that one's like that's a no brainer. Um, for Forge, I went with Sid from Four. Yeah. As opposed yeah, to the yeah, SIDs yeah. from the other games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's who I thought of. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Ah, go back a little bit. Who do you like for for Archangel? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one because you know he like Warren has gone through like so many kind of uh, changes. I mean, like he's got the apocalypse death version where he's you know he's basically like that version I tend to think of as Vincent Valentine. Ooh. Just, yeah. Just cause like Vincent is, is really mysterious character and everything. And when Warren was death, you know, it was sort of like the same kind of vibe, but I couldn't think of anything else beyond, <laughs> beyond Vincent. Okay. I went with, I guess, I guess I went with more of the, the sort of human, the Warren Worthington uh, yeah. side of him. Cause I went with Edgar. Six, oh. kind of you know nobility but not you know super you know a little bit more human nobility i guess yeah yeah and he's, he's kind of they've almost kind of got like the same hair <laughs> also that <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good one okay uh how about Iceman? oh Iceman, man who you know i think Iceman. you know i, I see him as somebody is you know not necessarily happy-go-lucky but I, I kind of thought of Titus because <laughs> I don't know. It was just like the blonde hair, but mm-hmm. and like the fact that there like there's water kind of involved with Titus, but like it was just sort of like just the the personality. I kind of I saw a parallel there. Okay, uh, personality wise, I went with Zell from Eight. Ah, oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to be for I, I had to think about it first because I think I almost went to Snow from Thirteen, but I'm saving him for a different one. Oh, that would okay. have been another one of those bad based on name only uh, choices. Actually, I saved Snow for Colossus because they're both yeah, tanks. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you know, and actually, even in like going back to the Iceman for just a second, I yeah. I kind of think of like Prompto too, like because and, and, and I know it's like oh, it's another blonde guy, but <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's just you know the way I've seen Iceman depicted in comics and everything. I I tend to think of Iceman is sort of like not necessarily comic relief, but he definitely 
brings levity, I think. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, that that was prompto for me. But, yeah, to, to segue back to what you're saying, like Snow and Colossus, that is, like, I couldn't come up with anybody. I was like, who would this be? But that's like, that's that's so good. That's That fits. Yeah, I think, I think personality-wise, they're very different. But, you know, yeah. as far as powers go or abilities. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Nightcrawler. Uh, see, Nightcrawler, I really wanted to go with uh, with Locke, but then I was like, no, wait, that's Gambit. <laughs> so, um, man, Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler is like my favorite X Man. So it's like I, I tend to, you know, like not like to, like I said, like I had very strong feelings about the Excalibur cast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love the whole Nightcrawler is like the swashbuckling, you know, hero and everything. So. Um, there's, you know, there's there's so many like <laughs> you could kind of go um, with cyan, I guess, a little bit just because like the whole sword thing. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Then like I kind of think maybe a little bit of you know Balthier just because Balthier's kind of got this like swagger to him and everything. And um, I mean, yeah, he uses guns and I don't know. He there's not really. I mean, maybe kind of has sort of similar hair to Kurt, but um, yeah, I couldn't find one that I could single it you know down to. I went. I went way off. I went with Red Thirteen from Seven, uh-huh. and I think uh-huh. it was more just about like the appearance, you know, the deceiving appearances type thing. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and plus, you know, they both have tails. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got stuck on Beast. Yeah. What about Kimari? You know, I mean, they're both blue. <laughs> they both kind of look like lions, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. one. I ended up writing. I ended up writing Kate Sith from Seven. Yeah, okay. All right. Even though that was really the little cat on top of the giant white uh, cat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> secondary mutation. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Bishop. Bishop. Yeah. Hmm. You know, part of me thinks you know, like Barrett, just because of the gun arm. I went straight that- to Barrett. Yeah, yeah, and I'm. Uh, it's because like I couldn't think of anybody else because like I don't really think there's. I mean, does is because it's been a while that I've that I've like revisited some of the older games, but like you know Bishop and the time traveling. Like, mm-hmm. there really what was there a character that like really focused on like was like a time mage or whatever? Because I couldn't really think of one. I think but, in like the the older games where they were like you know where they when they had the job systems yeah i think there was a time mage like i want to say in like three there was one yeah okay yeah. but that was never That's... one of the classes that i i found myself using yeah i know <laughs> but i was also really bad at, at the um you know when they finally brought the the japanese two three and five into the states yeah yeah you're bad at those i, I loved uh two i got to the game boy version of dawn of souls yeah, and just tore through that game. I loved it, but uh, three I have on my DS and I never finished. And five I have bought a couple of times uh, digitally, and I bought the original PlayStation One disc and mm-hmm. never finished it. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I haven't finished any of those. And it took <laughs> me yeah, the funny thing: the first Final Fantasy. It took me like eight years. You know, I got it when it came out in '88, and I don't think yeah. I beat it till '96. Oh my god! I, I don't think I've actually ever beaten Final Fantasy One because I got it too. I got it at '88, and I liked it, but I was just like, I can't. I don't. I can't beat this game. I just. I'm. I think I just gave up. 
and I think it's I have I still have my cartridge, but um, mm-hmm. I haven't like you know <laughs> put it in to like see how what my last save file was, if even if it's still intact. Yeah, I mean the older games are tougher. That's that's just a fact. Yeah, um, a friend of mine hacked our Wii, so it's got the all these emulators on it. So it's got like all the Nintendo games and Genesis and all that, and it's got all these like other mods that got thrown in there. So there's this version of Final Final Fantasy One. It's like Final Fantasy Impossible mode or something, but basically, <laughs> even just starting out, you can get stabbed by an imp and die immediately. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, who did we leave out so far? Oh yeah, Rogue. Rogue. Oh man, see that Rogue is actually somebody I thought would be lightning. Uh, just not not obviously the southern accent or anything, but mm-hmm. just in terms of like the the character and kind of i don't know the the poise i guess uh that's yeah that's that's where i went what okay. about you i went towards Celis from six kind uh, of the 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 bad guy who defects yeah see i thought emma frost for Celis, but yeah Ooh, that's a good one too i like that <laughs> yeah but no that's a good that's good yeah, yeah. um actually yeah and also rogue being Celis, i guess because i matched her up with Locke. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, He's also yeah, that. Good point. Good point. <laughs> uh, and then Jubilee. Jubilee. Um, yeah, like I, I immediately thought of Riku, um, just because of the whole uh, useful kind of you know energy. But then I was like, wait, Yuffie. I don't know. I couldn't decide between Yuffie or Riku. Yuffie's a good pick. I, I like Yuffie as a pick. I went to Realm. The uh, uh, kind of yeah. sassy child from uh, from six. I went to six with a lot of these. I, I, yeah. I guess just because it's my favorite game in the series. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Six. It's. I mean, it's funny. I never beat six. Like, I uh, I got. I'm trying to think where I got really deep into the game, and like mm-hmm. I got Go and Umaru, but um, I forget. You know, at some point because it was like that game was like 94 and I think I was playing it into like 95 or whatever, but like I got stuck there at the end and then I got Chrono Trigger and it was just all over. <laughs> so I was like, all right, see you. I'm going to play this game. I, I hear that. Yeah. No, Chrono Trigger is, is the other jam. You know, I, I kind of, it's basically a final, it's basically an honorary <laughs> final fantasy game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like six is one of those, like I, I have it. I have other versions of it. You know, I have like, the PlayStation version and like every time like I start a new one, like I start, I get to a point and I'm like, oh, I remember how frustrating this part was. And then I just stop. <laughs> That's the problem I have with like replaying any game that I've already beaten. Because like I I love I love those experiences, but then I'll get going and then I'm like, wait, I remember I didn't like this dungeon. Ew, no, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> no, I'll just, I'll just stop. So like what I find, and, and too, like, you know, time is another issue. So what I find myself doing a lot, and this is kind of embarrassing because like, uh, my kids and I, we watch way too much YouTube, probably. <laughs> but, uh, like, I watch a lot of Let's Plays on YouTube. And, like, I'll, I've watched people play, like, Final Fantasy VI, like, you know, just the Let's Play, like, from the entire game. So that I can I, I can deal with watching them play it and me not having to, like, go through, you know, crappy dungeons again or whatever, splitting up my party. I hated splitting up my party. And, uh, you know, and I can put that on while I'm drawing. And I can, uh-huh. you know... I'm fine with that. <laughs> mm. 
Well, yeah. I got I got bad news for you. If you ever make it to that last uh, Kefka's Tower and you hate splitting up your party. <laughs> I know. I don't, I've seen the Let's Play. You have to split your party up again. And I'm like, nope. I'm noping out of this one. <laughs> in three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In three. Why? 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 The funny thing, like, by the end, you've got 14 characters. So you, you, you're yeah. kind of like, all right, who, who, are the, who are the two who are, like, the last picked in dodgeballs? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I, I get why they did it, you know, but it's one of those things that just frustrates me. It's like with ten, like Blitzball. I uh-huh. hated Blitzball, and I there was one part of the game when you had to play a match. I forget what it was, but like, like I hated it. It was like the entire time playing. I'm like cursing my TV. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to do this, and like you know, they keep they keep pushing it the whole game. Blitzball, Blitzball, and I'm like, no, this thing sucks. I don't want to play it. But I mean, I liked the game otherwise. I just hated Blitzball. <laughs> The thing in eight that made me mad more than anything was playing triple triad because it was oh, optional right. for the most part, but yeah. I still wanted to like win every time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love triple triad. That's hilarious. Cause like that was, I, I got like addicted to it. I got like to be like a, a triple triad, like card shark or whatever. I was like, man, I'm going to go get all the cards now. And like, I was like really hardcore about it, man. I was, and if I like lost, I just would reset my PlayStation and I'm like, I just start over again or whatever, like from the last save point. Mm-hmm. But the, the Tetra master, like, like, like after loving triple triad and going into Tetra master, I'm like, what is this? I couldn't stand it. It's like, you know, like I hated Tetra master in nine, but luckily, I mean, like, I don't feel like, I mean, I don't really remember. I have nine on my, uh, the remaster, mm-hmm. And I started playing it, but then I got too busy. But um, I don't know how, you know, if you can find some, like, really cool stuff in, in that or not. But uh, playing Tetra Master, but, you know, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got addicted the other, uh, like, a year or two ago to the um, theater rhythm games on the 3DS, where it's just yeah. the music, and it's like a, it's like Guitar yeah. Hero for Final I Fantasy. First, yeah, I have the first one of those. They're great. It's great. Yeah. That, that is a wheelhouse I didn't even know I could have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's surprisingly, like, really fun. Like, I, I mean, I've, I've always loved the music. The music has been, like, completely, like, one of the anchors of the series for me. Because I, like, you know, uh, 2 or 4, as it was, you know, the real version of, you know, <laughs> of 2. Um, like, I got that from my Super Nintendo when I was in junior high and, like, for Christmas. And, like the music alone was like really what like hooked me to that game. I mean, I like the It's a great game, mm-hmm. but like the music is what, you know, well, I will always remember from that. And, um, so yeah, like the fact that they did an entire, you know, a couple of games, like, you know, using like the music in, in, in terms of gameplay and everything, I thought that was just ingenious. Yeah. I, um, the Pandora station I listen to when I'm writing is is just like a video game music channel. And I basically right. thumbs up and down everything to the point where it's, pretty much only like final fantasy and chrono trigger uh oh that's great versions <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, nice. yeah i'm on i have i have apple music and like they have none of uh nobuo umatsu's like you know, soundtracks on there but they have like you know like fan versions of all the final fantasy and chrono trigger stuff there's some chrono trigger stuff that's like really good but um a lot of the final fantasy stuff is awful but <laughs> Um, yeah, like I, that, like Final Fantasy is one of those series that, like, you know, I would love to see like like a, a concert of. Like, I know that they they tour sometimes, like the orchestras they do like you know Final Fantasy music or whatever. But it seems like they never do those in Dallas or anywhere I live, and it's like so frustrating. 
Yeah, I, I know they've played Philadelphia by me, but yeah. I don't think I, I, I never go like specifically looking for it. And I think there was like one time where there was like an orchestral like Legend of Zelda yeah. concert and that like tickets for that started at fifty dollars and I was like I, I, I had to balk at that. Yeah. That's that's a bit much. <laughs> a little bit. Um yeah. But we've mentioned uh, Jughead the Hugger, we've mentioned the Archies, we've mentioned Charlie's Angels, and we've mentioned Quantum and Woody. Is there anything else that we need to uh, push or promote at this point? Oh, man. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> so that's quite a lot. It's, it's funny. Like I, I think I'm probably the busiest now that I've ever been in comics, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, but yeah, those, those are the, the big ones. The Archies uh, is wrapping up. Uh, in you know, in the next issue comes out in May, and it's Battle of the Bands against Josie and the Pussycats. Um, I hope a lot of people buy it. It's a lot of fun. It's a great kind of, uh, it's a great goodbye. It's one of those. It's one of these. I, I haven't drawn like a lot of final issues, but this one, like, it's really cool. There's some meta stuff in it, which um, if you're if you know some of the creative team, you'll get. Um, but like it, it, it's such a I think a fitting ending like like even it kind of ties everything back to the one shot in in a, in one way too which is really nice so I'm I'm I, I was a little nervous about drawing that issue but I think it'll be it's gonna be really nice so that one's ending and then yeah Jughead the Hunger I'm still drawing and then Quantum and Woody in, in July Charlie's Angels in June all right and where can people follow you online if you in fact wish to be followed. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm at Super Joe S U P A J O E on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, that's the best places to follow me. Uh, Joe, it's been great chatting with you, and uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. All right. Now, normally, this is the part where I say that's it for this week's show, but this week we've got bonus content. If you recall, last week I promised an interview with writer Gail Simone. So to close out the episode, here's that audio from Camden Comic Con with special guests Matt Lazowitz and Rob Lynch. But first, sorry, that was cheap. It's coming, I promise. Uh, your weekly reminder that you can listen to WMQ&A on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes drop Mondays at 9 a.m. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at WMQ Comics. And for more great comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, visit WMQComics.com. Now here's we and Gail. All right, we're on the floor of Camden Comic Con with the uh, with Gail Simone, writer Gail Simone. Gail, thank you so much for talking with us. Oh, it's my pleasure, and this event is so much fun. I, I hope oh, New man. Jersey is treating you well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, how often are you out on the East Coast? I, mean, I know you're Portland-based. Um, I'm usually on the East Coast uh, at least once a year. But this this year, it seems like it's been a little bit more because um, I was in New Jersey and New York, and then now I'm back again in New Jersey and New York. So, um, you know, it happens a little... You know, it's often. I love it out here. Except I don't understand how to get around. <laughs> it's totally different here than on the West Coast, so I get confused. <laughs> okay. What, what is the... Uh, is it? Is it all the uh, numbered exits or...? No, it's just strictly that um, at home I have a car and that's the only way to get around. And here you really have to rely on taxis and public transport and begging friends and that kind of thing so sure. I'm not used to that I'm used to getting in the car and just going um, big week you uh, released uh, Marvel released Domino number one yes. this week you and David Baldion yeah. uh, how's the how's the response generally that you're getting oh my gosh it's so exciting I just did a signing at Midtown Comics and 
it was like I don't think I've ever had the experience where a book came out and then I was doing a signing or you know a convention or anything where I was meeting people that had just just read the book as it came out and um, that was really exciting the energy was high people were loving it they most of the people that came for the signing had read it already and uh, had a lot of fun things to say about it and different things they liked and and uh, it just was really exciting and then I went to uh, the Marvel offices and met Chris Robinson the editor and that was really fun too to meet face to face and he's just been such a terrific champion of the book that uh, it was it's energizing uh, now it's been uh, you know about like two years or so since uh, Secret Six you've been you know it's been a while since you've been involved in like big two superhero comics so you had Clean Room and Crosswind and Red Sonia obviously um, was there a, like was it an intentional move to kind of come back this year with Domino and Plastic Man and, and well, I uh, I love writing superhero comics. I, I can't imagine ever not writing them, but I did focus um, a bit of time for Crosswind and Clean Room, getting them off the ground, and, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of that too, but writing a book like Domino is so much fun. It just really kind of energizes you, and it's fun to see the fans, because Crosswind and Clean Room, although they do have humor aspects, they're pretty serious. One's serious psychological horror, yeah. and then the other one is pretty serious subject matter with a lot of crime and weirdness going on. So Domino's a completely different tone. And I really like to do that. I don't like writing the same tone all at the same time because if I get kind of you know, stuck a little bit on one project and I switch to a completely different tone and work on that project, it just frees up my brain to go back to the other one. It just That's what works for me. And I don't get bored that way. I figure if I'm getting bored, the reader's going to get bored. <laughs> uh, this is probably actually going to come off more like a statement than a question, but one thing I really appreciated about Domino, uh, about your series, is that like she's got, she's got girlfriends. Yeah. This time around, you know, I think we're so used to seeing her as sort of like the uh, the gun mall for like giant, you know, for soldiers, basically. Yeah, well, you know, basically she has a type. Yeah, you know, yeah. Basically, she's had hookups yeah. and dates, and she's had acquaintances, but she's never had the experience of getting really attached to something. And I kind of want to put her through the the pleasure and stress of that. And so we've got she's got a new little puppy, and she's just not sure she's up for, but she's you know can't quite turn down yet and a group of friends that um, she's going to have to rely on and they're going to have to rely on her and then she's going to be learning a whole lot about her powers that she didn't know before and she may or may not want or need people there to support her. <laughs> um, another, one, uh, another thing that stands out about the book is uh, it brings in a lot of the cast of Agent X uh, from, from your old Deadpool yeah, run. Yeah. Um, how much of that was, was, you know, you wanting to come in? How much of it is, like, you know, this was, this was like a gift for the fans? Well, I love writing Outlaw, and I really missed writing her. Once I sat down and started writing her again, I was like, oh, this is so much fun. And I created her in um, the Edge of books book, and I, you know, like I said, missed writing her. And when I took the pitch for Domino, I included some of these things because that's what I thought would work and make it interesting domino story but I also you know I thought she'd be a good contrast to domino because they're not alike at all really um, except they're both kind of badass um, and so I asked for it and they you know said yeah that sounds great so um, we just went with it that's great um, plastic band you've got that coming out in, uh, in June, June. yeah um, 
he actually just, you know, it's only recently that they've DC started using him again right, in the comics. Yeah. And obviously there was everything with metal and coming up with all this backstory where he's like a superconductor for um, are, are you going to be working with any of that continuity, or is this just going to be a nice, like, standalone plastic yeah, story? This, this Plastic Man story is kind of a standalone story, and in it, um, no one knows that Eel O'Brien is Plastic Man. So the Justice League doesn't know. Nobody knows at this point in this particular Plastic Man story. And what I love about it, and it was so much fun to write, and now seeing Adriana Melo um, draw, is that it's it's funny it's got a lot of humor in it it's also sexy and it also has kind of a gritty crime story underlying it because people know eel o'brien as a criminal and you know and they don't know plastic man exists so with these three levels of tone it makes it just so fun and interesting and adriana's doing a superior job of getting all that across matt rob what do you guys got i think i'm good one question because just talking about plastic you also, in, in Secret Six, wrote my other favorite stretchy DC hero, <laughs> um, Ralph Dibney. And I, the Ralph and Sue are my... Uh, yeah, oh, there, yeah. Is there any chance in the, maybe in the future, if everybody loves Plastic Man, that we might get a Plastic Man, Elongated Man <laughs> oh, team up? I don't know. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be so much fun to do. If we do get it, I hope they ask me to write it. I'll just say that. <laughs> See, you hear that, DC? Come on. You know you want to bring the Dibneys back. Come on. <laughs> um, what are you reading right now personally? What I'm reading personally right now is um, I'm reading Monstrous, and I uh, just read um, Exiles, and um, I'm trying to get caught up on a bunch of stuff that I'm woefully behind on, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Bingo Love by T. Franklin, that, you know, I... I got to read that before most anyone else did, and I knew immediately that was going to be the best graphic novel of last year, so um, I'm looking at a lot of things like that that are outside the um, big two. Uh, we talked to T for a little bit, and she mentioned that you offered to edit her when she uh, wrote her first comic story, I Back did, Up yeah, on Nailbiter. Yeah, and, and I was like, how, and I did, did this even more so with when I read Being a Love, I was like, how does somebody who's never written a comic before know how to use the comic page? You know, writers who've been writing comics for years don't always use the page as well as she did. And so it was quite, I knew right away it was going to be a thing. <laughs> um, do you have that opportunity to sort of, you know, mentor people or, or, or get that that way? I do. I get a lot of inquiries and stuff and I can't read and, and mentor every single one that I get. And so it, it has to be something that, first I have to have the time, you know, the time when they need that. And it has to be something that's really extraordinarily different and with bingo love we didn't have anything like that no stories like that nothing done in that kind of art style that you know it just looked really different and i knew a lot of people that this this story was going to be important to a lot of people and that's the type of stuff i am interested in looking at is something that really brings something new and extraordinary to the table that's great um, yeah, we very much appreciate you taking the time thank to speak so with us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you guys. And this we hope you enjoy the rest event. of the show. Yeah, I will, definitely. Even after they uh, pulled the fire alarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is way more fun and way more awesome than I imagined it would be. Just like, first, like kind of as a final question, I mean, you'd mentioned, uh, you know, being a Jersey con. Somebody with an outside perspective that's not from the state, I mean, we always talk about that a lot, like what it's like to be 
you know, in a state that has a lot of cons. Yeah. What's been your experience as kind of a Jersey, an outsider of Jersey? Uh, with the Jersey cons? Yeah. I just think they're friendly and they've been comic-centered, and that's really, you know, a huge deal, actually, for me, because we get to talk to people, you know, one-on-one -on -one a lot more. We can hear what they say. It's not all about uh, film and, and, and television and celebrities and stuff, so it's just it's a different vibe, and I love it. What is your uh, what's your touring schedule like after this? Um, I'm doing free comic book day in my home state of Oregon, and then I'm going to Puerto Rico mid-May, and then I think the next thing is Dragon Con, um, and then Paris in fall. Unless I add something, that's kind of it. I have a lot of projects on the table, including developing crosswind for television. So oh, wow. it's you know I, I need to stay home and work a little. <laughs> Absolutely, but it's nice that you get the, it's nice that you get to travel like that. Oh yeah, and the fact that I can take a laptop and work anywhere is such a blessing and a gift to my life because I grew up on a tiny farm outside a tiny town in Oregon, and I always wanted to travel and never thought I'd be able to, and this has been the best education anyone could ever have, is being able to meet and talk to people from all over. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you very you much.